if you have a Bible, um, if you need one, some folks will give one to you, but I uh, would love for you to turn to John 14. We're going to talk about simple friendship with Jesus. Um, when Rob first asked me to preach, um, I said no. I was too busy. I had a bunch of other things to do. And uh, supposed to be on a red-eye flight tonight. I have to do some filming stuff tomorrow. And um, I didn't have time. And I was supposed to be up in the mountains with my two sons, with their friends, skiing. So I was supposed to be skiing. He's snorkeling, but I was supposed to be skiing. So when he said, you know, he gave me a text on Monday. He said, mahalo. And I went, oh, that's right. He's in Hawaii. That's great. Cool. Have a, have a great time. I prayed for his, you know, blessed him, said, you know, have some great R&R. And he says, I could only rest knowing that you'll kill it on Sunday. And I'm like, dude, I said no. <laughs> so I, 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 I looked at that, and I kind of went, Lord, is Rob being stupid? Or is this you? So I asked two questions, and I got one answer. Yes. <laughs> That's efficient. Yes. <laughs> so, so I called my wife. I texted her. I said, Rob thinks I'm preaching on Sunday. She said, well, text him back. He could be joking. Because we, we've been out to dinner, and Rob jokes a lot, I, if you notice that. I like, I like him. That I, I, he's, he's goofy. Um, I knew he wasn't joking, and I didn't want to freak him out. So we worked, we changed our plans, and I kind of went, all right, Lord, if, if you want me to do this, I'll do this. Um, I used to be a pastor. Um, truth in packaging laws is they fired me. <laughs> Some of you are looking like, uh-oh. Just truth in packaging laws. I'm not here to perform. I said yes, because someone had the gift of stupid, and Jesus thought it was a good idea. Okay? Uh, the, <laughs> Some of you got that. (laughs) Poking fun at you, Rob. Um, There's two things that the Lord said I won't anoint. And it's undue self-exaltation and undue self-disqualification. And most guest preachers get up there and they hmm and ha, and they basically sort of try to lower the bar so you all be impressed because you're bummed that the regular guy's not there. I I mean, I've been there. That's that. It's like when Rob's not here, he's like, oh, God, because he's a great preacher. Um, but I'm going to unashamedly, I think the Lord's got something wonderful for us. The first service had someone nearly die. No, I mean, the, honestly, this was bizarre. I don't know if you, everyone freaked. I mean, that's normal. A guy's dying in, 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 in church and he's passing out and his pulse is not there. And I'm looking at him and he's like, he's not there. He's still breathing, so I mean, it's not like we, I'm not going to do the evangelistic. Oh, we raised the dead in the first service. No, 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 we didn't, but we were wondering, and I still have no idea what went on. I just knew, all right, Lord, everyone's freaking. We want more humans on the scene. Call nine one one. I'm going like, well, shouldn't we just get Jesus on the scene? So we prayed. And all of a sudden, he came back. I got to tell you, that was a high-five moment for me. I looked at him. I went, okay, cool. Then I tried to go back to preaching, but that was a little weird. 
But what I want you to understand is the Lord's here. He wants to do something. Please put your hunger out there because I don't know you, but he does. And he's here to feed all of us. I want to get something out of this. And if, if we'll say, hey, Lord, feed me. I'm your sheep. Give me what I need this portion today. He has a way of taking words and making them spirit and life and putting something inside that it's the seed that gets planted. The life is in the seed. Your job is to be dirt. Just be dirt. Receive whatever he's going to give you this morning, and the life is in it. It will bear fruit. Okay? Does that make sense? Amen. Okay. John 14. Lord, have no one die in this service. Let not your heart be troubled. Here's how. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may also be. And we'll come back to that. Where God is, he wants us to be. Yeah? And you know the way and, and where I'm going. And Thomas speaks. I love Thomas. Thomas is the guy that says what we're all thinking but afraid to say. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. How many of you felt like Thomas went, oh, I get that. I'm pretty sure these dudes are like us. They're not understanding what Jesus is really talking about. And I think Jesus kind of understands that they're not quite getting it. If I could put this a little into context, we hear these words that might have been on your refrigerator at some time. But this is a man, Christ Jesus, who's God in the flesh, talking to other men. And I don't think the other men were going like, oh, this is God. I think they were going, this is rabbi, this is Jesus, and they're trying to understand stuff. We're, you know, a couple thousand years later going like, well, I got this. And I, I really want to bring some stuff out so that you see this in a simple context of what it's about. Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you've known me, you would have known the Father also. From now on, you know him and you've seen him. It's a bit mind-blowing. He's talking about God the Father. He's standing there in front of them in human form. And he's going, guys, you see me, you see the Father. And Philip is a helpful disciple and says, could you just show us the Father? That would be enough for us. How many of you think Philip's getting it? I don't. See, what I love about this is the Bible's unsanitized. These guys don't get it. That is so cool. Because that means I qualify. Okay. Jesus said, have I been with you so long that you yet do not know me? You've not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How then do you say, show us the Father? 
Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And the words that I say to you, I don't speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is me. Otherwise, believe on account of the works themselves. Just to give a little more context, Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration with with three buddies, this is before the cross, before the resurrection, and they're hanging out with Moses and Elijah. That's a cool little board meeting on a mountain. I had two dogs. We named them Moses and Elijah. I used to walk the hills of Malibu, and it'd be fun when I preach and go like, I was on the mountain with Moses and Elijah. And it was, it was true. <laughs> it was fun. People were like, <laughs> but here they are, and all of a sudden, Jesus is shining like a thousand suns. This is before the resurrection. So when he's saying, the Father is in me, hello? God who is light. That's a picture of God in a human suit. And he's kind of talking to us like, I'm in the Father. The Father's in me. I'm in you. And then there's a crazy verse that says, if your eye be single, your whole body be full of light. I don't know about you, but I try this in the closet sometimes. Close the door, and it's like, so far, nothing's happened. So I go, Lord, you got work to do. But it is crazy. I mean, some of you are like, oh, funny little pastor guy. No, former pastor guy. When you, when, when you look at this, do we take Jesus' words for real? I'm pausing because I'm about to read verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go to the Father. Anybody been doing that lately? The greater works? Do we believe this? How many of you are like, yep, I'm in? Exactly. <laughs> This is before the cross. If these words are not true, it's game over. We lose. Jesus would have lied. He's then no longer qualified to be our sinless Savior. So what in the world is he talking about? And as opposed to you hearing this like, oh, great, now I've failed again. Hear this in terms of what's on the menu of possibility. I tell you, I go in the closet, and it's not like anything's happening. But Christ lives in me, the hope of glory. And I, for one, am silly enough to take a lot of these things for real, going like, well, Lord, I'm not doing this I fake it thing. I'm not going to fake it till I feel it. If it's not real, I don't want to do this. You've got to make this real, or what are we doing? I don't like religion. Okay, that's crazy. The greater works. Verse 13, this one should go in your refrigerator. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. Hello? 
we had just kind of gotten here, and in the first service, the guy started passing out. And I'm going like, well, what do we need to do? We asked for the author of life to come back and heal his heart and fill him with life, and you know, a few minutes later, hmm? that was a cool moment. He just sat there going like, all right, Lord, okay, cool, nice illustration. We functionally live so far away from recognizing that these words are real and they're for us. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. Why? That the Father may be glorified in the Son. So that God would be made manifest. And we'd all go, that's for real. That's undeniable. Paul said it different in Corinthians where he said, I didn't come in persuasive words of men's wisdom, but rather in power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Why? So that your faith would not rest in the mere wisdom of men, but rather in the power of God. And that's not some weird charismatic thing. That's a reality thing that just says, this is not a game. These are not just principles. God's not looking for a bunch of people just to behave morally. You can't be a Christian and it not be amazingly supernatural that God dwells in you. And I think we need to kind of camp and go like, what are the implications of that? Let that seed go inside and start to take root, do something inside you. Verse 14, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And this is one of those like watershed, how do I hear that? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Is that a prove it? Is that a command like you better work hard or I don't see that as real? I don't, I don't think so at all. I think God is well aware that, you know, Thomas and Philip asked two, like what we would say, who didn't ask it, stupid questions, and we're not getting it at all. And he's not trying to then raise the bar on them and make them feel like failures. He's going, I want you to understand something. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you get the loving right, the keeping follows. If we're trying to perform so as to be accepted, well, I don't know how that's worked out for you, but it didn't work out well for me. But if I'm loving and I'm just focused on him, his life starts flowing in me and does what only he can do. His goal as our instructor, our teacher, is to make us into disciples, which is a lifelong learner, and the goal is that I would become just like my teacher. And if the teacher's any good, his students will be better. And he's not trying to ask us to be God. He's asking us to allow God to be God in us and through us so that the Son might be glorified in the Father 
and the world would see their life in us as real, and it would be undeniable, and people would go, I'm in. I want some of that. See, some truth in packaging laws of how I came to Christ. I came to Christ as a six-year-old. Me and a bunch of buddies on our neighborhood, we were playing around, and somehow we ended up in a Bible study at the end of the street. I do not remember how that happened. Because at six years old, you're not going like, let's go to a service. Okay? So we're at a Bible study. And this was like not pre-television days, but pre-video days where they had a felt board. Jesus, you know, they had the felt things and it was on the easel. And this lady was a missionary from Africa. And she's, she's teaching about Jesus. And, you know, we're seeing the felt dude. And this is really cool. And at the end of it, she says, is there anyone that wants to have Jesus just as their friend? And I'm, as a six-year-old, into what's going on, looking at the felt board, and all of a sudden, I see Mr. Felt standing behind the board. Yeah, some of you just shift off right there. Way to go, Rob. Nice guest preacher. I'm serious. I saw him. I'm looking around the room, and no one else is seeing him. And when you're a little kid, you're going like, I'm not really looking. I mean, we all play life survivor style. I'm not getting voted off. I'm not doing nothing here. But he says, does anyone want to have Jesus as their friend? I get Mr. Felt winks at me. And I'm going like, okay, I'm in. So she led us through the prayer. I didn't close my eyes because I was looking at him. And I thought, I mean, this was for real. I, I might be a weird kid at six years old, and I could have just invented all of this, but the truth is, it was very real to me. And so I went up afterwards to her, and I said, can you see him? She looks over at the board, and I got to tell you, this lady changed my life because she took me seriously. And she says, what do you see? I point at Mr. Felt, I said, I see him standing behind the board. And she had the presence of mind to say, I think the Holy Spirit is revealing himself to you. I didn't know what a Holy Spirit was. And at six years old, I didn't have a big drug-addicted past, and so I wasn't repenting of all these things. I wasn't trying to be a better anything. I was just saying yes to a relationship. And Jesus was making himself real, and in the next couple of years, I saw about 200 little friends of mine get to know the same Jesus as this tiny little church of 35 grew into a couple thousand. Not because of me, but because of the reality of a God in our midst who is making himself known. That's his job. My job is to simply go, hey, show me. I, I mean, I... I I figured this out long way back. Lord, if you can show me what these guys in the Bible saw, I think I can do what they did because they're knuckleheads. This is not a high bar, how do you become the great champions of God? This is available people. And the first lens he gave me was the simplicity of friendship with God. It took me a while to sort of 
be in religious environments to get confused about that. And you start working for God as opposed to living life with him. And you, try and you start trying to, you know, do better, try harder gospel. Anyone done that one? That doesn't work. Christ in you, the hope of glory. One of my favorite verses out of Philippians, for it is God who's at work in you, both to will and to do. Do you know how cool that verse is? That's God in you, both to will, meaning he'll give you the want to. And to do, meaning the ability to, according to his good pleasure. I'll take that one on my refrigerator. Wow. One day I was standing in front of the refrigerator. I was hungry. Open the refrigerator. Looking in. I get this voice. Nothing in there that you want. Not that's going to satisfy. I was like, right. It was the Lord. I'm not going to pretend it didn't happen. I have a conversational friendship with this guy, Jesus. I could be nuts, but I really like it. I'm not super holy. You can ask my daughter and my wife. The last time, well, she's never, she's never seen me preach because 15 years ago, I got bounced out of church. They were doing some wrong stuff. I kind of went, aren't we supposed to wear the white hats? And in the course of confronting that, the bus drove over me. So I feel like, you know, Rob's been preaching out of Matthew. Talks about Matthew being that sort of, you know, old priest guy that is disgusted with the institution. I'm going like. So when he asked me to preach, I'm going like, no, thanks. No need to. You do a good enough job. But I, I recognize God's wanting to impart something to all of us. Rob and I are hanging out just being friends. So I said yes to two of my friends. I said yes to Rob and I said yes to Jesus. And preaching kind of works like this. You can, you can think you got measles and you can know everything there is about measles. And you can talk and you can give five points about measles. But if what you really have is mumps, what are people going to catch? Mumps. My mumps is simple friendship with Jesus. And I can talk about a lot of things, but what I really hope I'm contagious for is taking God seriously on his offer of friendship. I was driving through Malibu Canyon one afternoon. It's a great place. I just spent the afternoon with what I thought was a close buddy. And I really was looking for a buddy. I was kind of lonely. And what was a bummer is he really wasn't taking me up on the offer. We were friends, but I wanted something more than that. And when you're a guy, you don't know how to say that. It's like, oh, can we be BFFs? I mean, you know, okay. We didn't have twinsy bracelets. <laughs> I just wanted a buddy. And I'm an intense, passionate person, so that doesn't work for everybody. 
And I, he was sort of saying no, and I was kind of bummed. I was driving home. I was kind of bummed. And something extraordinary happened. God shows up in my car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she looked at me like, what? <laughs> What'd you see? Well, I saw a guy in a robe and a long beard. No, I didn't see anything. But it was so real, I swerved. And then thought clearly came into my head. Brad, why are you trying to, why are you always looking for someone else to be what I want to be to you? And I knew something, right? I didn't make that up. I would never have qualified myself for the implications of that. This is me being bummed, not me talking to myself like, why don't you be best friends with God? But the, the dynamics were so amazing because it's, I was totally aware of my sad, disappointed, gosh, why won't he take me up on my offer? I felt like the Lord was capitalizing on that moment. I kind of know what that feels like, Brad. You're that guy. I really wish you'd take me up on this offer. And my, my, my response, my disqualified response was, well, isn't that for like important people or like super holy people? Because I'm not either of those. And there I go trying to earn what is being offered as a gift. This thing, salvation, I'm sorry, you'll never earn it. You can't do something other than receive it. It's the seed, the truth of God that gets planted in dirt. All you got to do is be dirt. Do you realize it's not the dirt that brings the life out of the seed? The life is in the seed. What's the dirt got to do? Something really hard. <laughs> Nothing. But receive it. Let the life grow, and it will manifest itself, and the world will know. Does that make sense? The works that he does, you will do. And greater works than these will you do. Why? Because he's going to the Father. And they're going to come and make their abode with you. <laughs> they want the world to see that this is real. The, the, the worst thing that I've found in gathering as the church is hanging out when his manifest presence isn't there. I mean, I wish the guys up front would just go like, um, let's not fake it. And we can be great evangelicals and we can declare, no, God is there and I know and I have these verses and it's, I, I get all that. I'm not questioning any of that. But I don't think God was ever looking for us to do this without him in a felt way that's real for us. I don't think he's looking for any of you to say, well, just you know, fake it, pretend you like it. If you're not connecting 
don't be looking at the guy up here. Be looking at the one there who, what's so amazing is what follows here. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. Who and what are we talking about? Verse 17, that is the spirit of truth whom the world can't receive because it doesn't behold or know him. Another simple thing to learn, what we behold, we become. That's the gaze of your soul, what you're focused on. As I look at him, he floods me. It's not hard. It's what are you looking at? What are you beholding? What are you drawing on? What are you hungry for? It's not in the refrigerator. I know that. So I'm staring at the fridge, and the Lord says, you're not going to find anything in there. And I kind of went, okay, well, then what am I hungry for? He said, righteousness. I'm looking at the fridge like, eh. That's one of them religious words. Righteousness, really? I had no idea what it meant. So I went, Lord, well, what does it mean? Brad, don't you want to be able to stand right before me? Wouldn't you want to have the confidence of knowing you're totally fine? I got you covered, you and me. I can walk into your presence. You're right before me. Yeah, that'd be cool. And he took a little deep and said, wouldn't you really want to stand right in front of me like geography? Yeah. He said, you hungry for that? I mean, yeah. That's not in the fridge. That's found in my beholding. I got to ask. You have not because you ask not. God is not interested in forcing himself on anybody. He's just looking for some friends. He's looking for some people that want to hang out. I don't know if I want to. Well, you haven't tasted yet. I guarantee you, you taste, oh, you will see that he is good. You know, I don't don't want other people's revelation, just like I don't really like drinking out of other people's glass. How backwash. They might have some d- disease. I want to hear God for me. Not apart from here, but I want this to become alive in me. And that's what the whole Holy Spirit's for. He says, I'll not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. A little while and the world will behold me no more, but you will behold me. And because I live, you shall live also. He's talking to a people who are alive. So we're talking about something more. In that day, well, what day? Following his death, resurrection, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, he says, you shall know that I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. 
He who has my commandments keeps them. For it is he who loves me. And again, if you get the loving right, the keeping naturally follows. Enough of the do, try harder, do better gospel. The life's in the seed. Be just good dirt. And, and ask his life to be made manifest. It is he who loves me. And, and he who loves me shall be loved by my, my father. I will love him and I will disclose myself to him. Be he a six-year-old little kid looking at a flannel graph. Be he a discouraged mid-20s guy driving through Malibu Canyon wanting a deep friendship. I will come to him. I will disclose myself. To him. All he's looking for is the yearning, the, the, the hunger to say, I don't want that. I want you. You tracking? So in the midst of this, some guy, another dude named Judas opens his mouth. Verse 22. Lord, what's then happened that you're going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? I said, that's a good question. How am I any different than the folks that this doesn't get revealed to? Jesus answered, if anyone, that's a good response. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our abode with him. Earlier when he said he's going to go to prepare a place for us so that where he is, we can be, this is all about him preparing a place in the spirit where he dwells. At the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, God's taking up residence inside you. That's pretty genius because if he's in you, where can you go without him? Can you lose him? No. Is there a door? Can he get out? I don't know. Can you leak? I don't think so. God's in you. He's making his abode. You and I as the church, Ephesians talks about us being set together as living stones into a spiritual dwelling place. The mommy and me and Jesus makes three is the nucleus of the church where just two or three of you are gathered together. It's amazing verses, those two words gathered together are the same word, twice. Gathered, gathered. Together, together. You have some intentionality and some cohesion and all he's looking for is two and he's going, I'm there. I'm going to fill that space. I want that to be real for all of us. Verse 24, and he does not, does not love me, does not keep my words. And the words which you hear are not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, 
whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. John writes later in 1 John in a little letter, he says, you do not have a need for a teacher. For each one of you has an anointing that abides within and teaches you all things. I don't like going to church. I like being the church. I don't want to go someplace and sit someplace. I want to be in the mix. I want to be part of what God is doing. I want to be a vessel that he's filling. And I want to be something that he's revealing through to the world that all this is real. And that's what's on the menu for us. The the primary verse that I, I want to land on comes later in chapter 15. I really want to just encourage you, dig into the Bible for yourself in a way that you're going, Lord, I don't need someone to explain this to me. I need to let this come alive in a way that it's not a devotion that I check off, but it's devotion that's real because God's making himself known. That's what he's promising. He says, no longer do I call you slaves, but I call you friends. Yes, Lord. He was just underscoring that. Answer the call. (laughs) That's better than a guy nearly dying, all right? (laughs) That is so cool. It's all all good. And he has an older person who says, well, it's a technology thing. Take it. He's calling a bunch of guys that are with him something extraordinary, not because they earned it or they performed for it or that they graduated to it. He said, you're my friends. What is the evidence of that? I tell you what's going on. We talk. Friends do that. There's no friendship that you have that's just a cerebral meditative principle thing. Just isn't. I I have studied this since I was a little guy. I know the Bible really, really well. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you will find life except that you refuse to come to me. These are testifying of me. The Bible's awesome. Use it. It's helpful. It will help you discern his voice because there's other voices. Okay? But you're supposed to be hearing something. Faith comes by hearing hearing the words of Christ. We're not talking reading the Bible. It's only the words of Christ as as you're reading it, the author saying, "Uh uh-huh, for you, uh uh-huh, right now, hello. And when the verse jumps off, wraps you on the forehead, jumps right back, and you're like, how'd that get into my Bible? 
that's the stuff where faith, I am not a get your faith up guy, because it's not a muscle. It's a natural response to his voice. If you cannot hear the voice of God, danger, problems, we must do something and fix that fast. Because I don't know how to be a Christian without guidance from above. I can't do this without him. He's not asking me to. In the garden, the original garden, two trees. More trees, but two primary trees. Tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Not supposed to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Correct? They did. Stupid. What is eating from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil? Aren't we supposed to discern the difference between good and evil? Isn't part of knowing God's voice and having our senses trained to discern that? that Hebrews says that. We're supposed to know that. What, what's going on here? In the day that you eat from that tree, you'll surely die. They didn't have a Bible in the garden. They had walks and talks in the cool of the day. That's what they knew. And one day God said, don't eat from that tree. I'm going to say something controversial. You don't have to accept it. I don't think that was God's tree. And the reason I don't think that was God's tree is because it said at the end of creation, everything that God created was good. God did not create death. It wasn't part of the plan of life. It only came because of the entrance of sin. And at that point, nobody had done that. So what is that tree and where did it come from? Well, there's only one being at the moment that knew both good and evil. That's Satan, Lucifer. He was the anointed cherub. He was the worship leader in heaven. He knew God. He loved God. He was not a bad guy. God didn't create a bad being. But somewhere in the mix of that, he thought God had made a mistake. He, he, he didn't like what was going on. And he, he fell. He rebelled. He chose to go his own way. He's the only one that experienced the committing of evil. And in the Bible, when it says the knowledge of something, we're not talking theory and facts. We're talking experiential reality. Adam knew Eve, and they had Cain. The knowing is little more than theory. You getting that? Some of you are like, it happened to your parents. <laughs> So you don't have to accept that, but I think the reason God says don't eat from that tree is he's not mine. Was he trying to test him? Well, I don't know. You ask him. 
But when my kids were little, I didn't fill their crib with plush, wonderful toys and a little razor blade. (laughs) Now, Taylor, you can play with all the fun, lovely toys, but don't touch that shiny little razor blade. (laughs) Because you're innocent and you don't know much, you're not mature, but I want to test you. Seriously, I think we've been duped. I think the devil has put his personality on the face of God. And we've been getting, we we think he does things differently. I, I don't think he's like that at all. I don't. You must decide what you behold, you will become. As for me and my house, that's not his tree because he didn't bring death into this. And he wants me to eat from the tree of life. Biggest mistake in the garden is they just didn't eat from what was right in front of them. Biggest mistake in church, we don't either. I can eat from the tree of life. It's promised in Revelation that the one who overcomes to the Ephesian church. You know the one thing that the Ephesian church messed up? They thought there was something more important than love. God was saying, get back to that spot. Because if you get the loving right, the keeping follows. And what he's looking for is to make his dwelling place with us. That we might know his voice and walk in his ways. Make sense? Is there something more you need to hear this morning? Can we get the, the worship team? I want to see if you would take Jesus up on the offer of being friends. You're good, faithful churchgoers, but are you friends? And I, I think the coolest thing is his name El Shaddai, you know what that one? This is a weird translation, but it's the correct one. It's the many-breasted one. They got little idols with lots of boobs on them. That's weird, okay? I'm not exactly thinking that that's what he was talking about, but that's what they understood El Shaddai. It's a mom with an available, you know, for everyone that wants, you know. <laughs> Guys are uncomfortable with that, all right? In a guy term, John, who's been writing all this, he describes himself in the Bible as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He's kind of poking fun at Peter because they're a little competitive. So he writes in John, the disciple whom Jesus loved and recognized as the one who had his head on Jesus' breast, his chest for guys. If you want to know his heartbeat, just lean in. Put your head on his chest and listen. This is not hard. Father, I ask, 
that you would speak from heaven to each and every heart here, God. There's not a person here that you didn't fashion and form fearfully and wonderfully in the womb. You knew each one of them. You know the hairs on every head. You know us far better than we're ever going to know you. And you didn't want anyone to not know this was real. So, Father, I ask that you would make yourself real and alive. Mr. Felt, would you make yourself felt in the life of every single person here? And with your eyes closed, but not your hearts bowed. If you're here this morning and you don't, you don't know Jesus, you, you've never met him. And, and hear me in this, I'm not, I'm not looking for a response. I'm, I'm inviting you to respond to him. You may have been in church all your life. You may have been mastering the principles, but you've never, you weren't converted to him. You said yes to a religion. God's wanting to take you deeper and draw you to him. As we sing this song, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to do something and act on it. I'm just going to ask you to stand at some point and say, Lord, I'm going to take you up on this. I want to be your friend. I want that real in my life. I want you to be real. And I don't want to fake it. So make yourself known to me. Come and dwell with me. And Lord, I ask, would you inhabit this dwelling place? Would your presence be welcome here. 